The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett's joining on Hackett Financial Advisors. And as we take a look at the the weather, we know that there's been some hit and miss showers over the last couple of days. And it kind of leads into the, the discussion that Sean and I were having. And Sean, first I wanted to kind of start there because the market, as you put it, has been really stuck in their what's going to happen with these plantings will it be too early to really say but you had an interesting perspective as maybe dealing with some maybe misdiagnosis with this weather issue as they try to compare 2018's planting season to 2019's season yeah well if you recall last year you had a very very you know wet you know cool spring um you know a lot of snowpack um, and there was a lot of talk about how there's no way that planting could get done correctly. And, and so the market was bit up. And, you know, we had actually a pretty, pretty nice market going up in the spring based upon that. And then, you know, obviously the trade war didn't help to move the market down. But we, we ultimately got the crop on the ground, for the most part, in okay shape. And, and so I think that, the, you know, the, the memory of that um, has the market say, well, well if it, last year you know, you, you know, we were supposed to have a problem and we didn't. Why would this year be any different? And, and we're not, we're not going to be fooled this time. And I think it actually will be fooled, but the opposite way. And that because the one variable that we think is missing is that last year the soil saturation levels were 10 to 20 percent. You know, I mean, we had very dry soils, a billion absorbables moisture, the runoff from the snow. And, and while we had problems, it was manageable. This year when we're in the 90 to 99 percentile in approximately 75 percent of the grain belt, we don't have that same ability to just take rain and bring it in and dry it out. And, and so we think that is a, we're just calculating that. And we think instead of moving the market up in advance like they normally would, they're assuming all is well. And they may, we may get to a point here in mid-May where they may realize they miscalculated and we have to do a more violent, um, you know, move higher to recalibrate that misfiring. And, and so that's what we think might be going on here um, and, and, and certainly would offer some some opportunity for higher prices in, in more of a uh, of a spike fashion than, than we would normally expect. And that's that's kind of what we see right now. Well, you know, you look at this and there's been so much talk of what ifs. I mean, we hear it around the, the coffee cooler, shall we say, when it comes to producers wondering if they're going to get their crops in the ground. They are just starting some fertilizer work here. But we know that we're not the only ones. As you look all across the whole upper Midwest, does that put pressure on the producers in the, in the southern part of the U.S. and even in the eastern Corn Belt to maybe have to make up for some possible losses out there? Well, man, I'm not sure it puts any pressure other, other than, you know, uh, the, the idea that if others aren't, aren't going to plant, if you can plant, you know, then, then you might benefit from it. You know, I mean, if, if you think we're going to have two or three million less acres of corn and you can get your corn planted in the south, versus someone who's not getting it planted elsewhere, then you're, you're, you're liable to benefit from that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, look, we're going to make planting progress. You know, we're going to start, you know, every week we're going to show more, 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 more of the crops getting planted. You know, the question will always remain, what is getting planted? How much of it is getting planted? And in what conditions is it getting planted? And we think a lot of ground will get planted, but the conditions with which the seed is put into saturated soils may look good on paper that it got into the ground, but it may not turn out that way in terms of how it develops in the kind of con- you know crop conditions that are start to emanate when it starts to emerge. 
you know, we may start to see that there's some actual yield problems because it didn't get into the ground in the manner that it normally does. And we think there's a lot to that that may, it may not be evident immediately, but will be evident as we get into June, you start seeing signs that all is not well with how a corn crop is supposed to look when it first comes out of, of emergence. Now, you were talking about some exports as well before we started recording the Fontenelle Final Bell, and you talked about them really being shy of where we need to be at this point. You know, they have been. We've had a strong, persistent dollar, unfortunately. Um, you know, we have this all this competition from South America as their crop continues to advance at a rapid pace. You know, we have this, uh, you know, trade war with Europe, you know, they, and, and, you know, we're trying to cut this deal with China, and sometimes they buy and sometimes they don't buy. So we, we're just not getting traction on exports. And so, you know, one week doesn't matter. Two weeks don't matter, but when you start putting together three, four weeks, six weeks, it accumulates and you start winding up that, my goodness, we're, you know, we're 100 million bushel short, uh, and, and somehow the, the U.S. is going to have to factor that in. And so that, that's a persistent gnawing problem that needs to be remedied um, if, if we're going to get our markets um, you know, going here. So we're going to need to start getting some better demand for our, uh, our crops. And obviously, if we were to have some weather problems, if the prices would start to move up, a lot of times, buyers that are just sitting back waiting around, all of a sudden, come to the market and start buying because they've been waiting on the fence, and you get that rush in to buy. But we just haven't seen that because the markets have been quiet, turning down, so why worry? There's no reason for the buyer to jump the gun right now. He's, he's feeling comfortable waiting around to see what happens here. So how much of the, is the dollar helping or not helping the situation? Well, it's been very strong. I mean, you know, we, we, we keep trying to, you know, it looks every time we try to you know, work our way down and roll over, then we have a, a two-day run here in the last couple of days. We ran the market back up near the highs. And so it's just, it's just not helping. You know, that kind of a strong dollar is not helpful. It, it, it just, it's just never been good for U.S. exports. It's never been good for U.S. prices unless you have you know, a, a real legitimate extreme weather event that can overcome that. It doesn't mean we won't get that, but we haven't been able to get the market to be convinced of that yet. And so the dollar, as long as it remains strong, you know, is a problem, and and so we, we we hope that will change. But this week was not encouraging on that front, unfortunately. And the harvest pressure continuing. South America's got some good numbers coming in. Yeah, the numbers look great. You know, we're not hearing any you know of anything. We're we're continuing to hear, see estimates bumping up a little bit. Everything looks pretty good. We don't see any major you know problems with weather around harvest. Everything looks good there. And remember, you know, they had a very poor you know crop last year in uh, Argentina for soybeans. The corn crop is down in both countries. So both of those production numbers, year over year, are up a lot. Of course, they do have to fill up the pipeline a little bit, but that still means they have some extra exportable supplies that they didn't have last year. All right, stick around. More's coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us. Hackett Financial Advisors. Sean, you and I were just talking. I mean, we focused a lot on the weather here in the U.S., but you brought up a great point. We need to really keep an eye globally as to what we're seeing for this weather and how it's going to really, in the end, affect our markets. Absolutely. And remember, in an El Nino year, which we are in, typically we have more problems in weather overseas than we do Domestically, doesn't mean we can't have problems here, but historically we have a much higher correlation with problem with weather overseas, and we're beginning to develop an extremely dry pattern in Europe and Ukraine. In fact, the last thirty days, you know, we're about you know twenty to thirty percent of normal, and the weather 
pattern forecasting over the next three days does not look like there's going to be much improvement. And this is a key development period for winter wheat coming out of dormancy and for spring planting. And so we think you know, this could be a, a new story, something the market might be more willing to react to more immediately than, than the spring planting weather that we've been having. And so it's something we're beginning to think to start to move the market. We kind of wonder if it started to do that today when you know, wheat was looking really, really weak and started to rebound later in the day. We, you know, maybe the wheat market coming off the bottom is what gets the speculator to maybe take some chips off the table on the shorts and gets, gets the, the market to start feeling a little less bearish than it has been. So it's, a, it's definitely something we think could be a market movie here before too long. Jump over to what we're seeing on the livestock side. As always, I love it when um, you're on with us because we can talk about the dairy industry. And there's been a viral video that even CBS News has picked up, and that was the dairy producer talking about the issues that have been happening in the dairy industry and how it's affecting the small producer. And you've always got such a great insight as to where we're at in this industry. Things that we need to be keeping an outlook for for our dairy guys? I think the, I think the key t- there's two key takeaways for dairy. And, you know, we're real simple. Uh, GDT auction prices, which is essentially the price of New Zealand milk prices, which really set the, the international price, have surged between 30 and 50 percent since the beginning of the year due to massive demand from China um, that we've been seeing. Um, the, the spread, the differential between New Zealand GDT price and the U.S. price um, ha- has reached, you know, some very, very uh, unusually high differentials. Um, that's unsustainable. When we look back at that kind of a condition, usually three or four months, uh, you could persist with the GDP price rising without the U.S. price rising, and then we relink. Well, that three or four month window is now. You know, this April May time frame, and so we think we're going to start relinking up with GDP price, and so that means that you know, we have quite a bit of upside to play catch up in order to get the you know the arbitrage between the GDP price milk and the U.S. price back into normal balance. The second thing is, with you know, hog prices going crazy because of African swine fever, with cattle prices continuing to head higher due to African swine fever and some adverse winter weather, um, the uh, desire to liquidate dairy herds to raise money, to survive, um, and to not replace continues to put pressure on the dairy herd, and that continues to put pressure on U.S. production only growing at 0.2% in the last month. That will continue to be a bullish factor, reducing future supply and actually reducing some of the oversupply, especially in the cheese market that we've had. And so we really look at that whole dynamic and say, you know, the outlook for, for dairy prices heading into the summer and into the fall looks very, very bright. It's probably the, the brightest outlook we've had in quite a few years. So that gets a little bit of optimistic, especially when we've seen the way the feed prices have been maybe we can start to see some turning profitability for some of these guys. Well, sure. I mean, hey, if we, if we can get a 10 or 15 or 20% rise in dairy prices over the next three or four or five months and play catch up with GDT milk price and the feed prices, you know, if they lock in some cheap feed prices, which we've had for quite some time, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, that, that there's a margin there and they can start, uh, you know, putting some, some equity back into the business. And so there's a pretty good prospect for that to happen and we're pretty optimistic um, you know that, that that we're looking at a at a, at a better future for uh, the dairy business in 2019, and the opportunities to actually you know sell a sell a margin, which they didn't really have much of an opportunity last year to do. Looking at the the cattle market, anything that you're seeing? I mean, we saw some outside numbers in really a lightly traded type of market today. You know, look, we we continue to be bullish this market. We have been 
um, for months, and we continue to be bullish. We see very strong seasonal demand for uh, summer demand for the U.S. We see continued record exports, um, and we continue to see the uh, the, the offshoot of African swine fever substitution demand you know, really, really starting to kick in with some very strong increases in beef imports. So, for example, Australia beef imports in the month of March, uh, Chinese imports of Australian beef up 80% year over year. We import a lot of beef from the Australians for low, for lean beef. So, you know, if, we, if we're not able to import as much as we would like or, or we're accustomed to, it tightens the market even more. And so it's a circle that keeps going around and around, and we don't really see you know, any reason for this market to top out until we get well into the June uh, time frame, maybe even to July time frame, before we, may, we, we might see the market price most of this good news that we see. What is the best way for our producers to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Sounds good. Thanks, Sean. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Thanks to Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.